3: What have we done with Innocence? It disappeared with time. Never made much sense. Adolescent resident wasting another night listening to a Columbia House Party mini episode. Jake, what's up, man?
4: Not much. This is a, what, what should we call this? A financially successful Columbia House Party? I feel like this is like the most financially successful band we've Oh, yeah. About. I was going to say,
3: we, Columbia House no, Party is not, not going to be financially oh, no, successful.
4: Not, no, no. <laughs> absolutely not us. Just thinking band-wise, where this ranks.
3: I feel like maybe they it, shy of no, they're probably bigger than Blink One Eighty Two. Lil was, Wayne maybe hasn't beat
4: maybe that was my debate. Radiohead Devin Blink, Radiohead maybe, but I, it's that level. It's close.
3: Yeah, I don't like it. It's out of my. We've gone out of our wheelhouse musically a couple times. I don't like getting out of our wheelhouse of underappreciated things that didn't make money.
4: <laughs> this is I'm gonna argue, and we'll get into this maybe not today, but another time. An underappreciated thing that did make money.
3: Yes, yeah, this is really good. Uh, To reintroduce the concept briefly, which hopefully we don't have to do that much because this is week five of us dropping these singles mini episodes to supplement our Monday regular episodes. You get the idea by now. Something adjacent to the previous episode or altogether new. In this case, we teased at the end of our Sunny Day Real Estate episode that there is this bizarre Sunny Day Real Estate Foo Fighters feud. Uh, We wanted to give this a little bit more time. We could have probably shoehorned it in at the end of that episode, this is weird enough to deserve its own 10 minutes or so to breathe here. Jake, can you refresh us a little bit before we get into the song and album
4: specifics? So just to quickly refresh, in 1994, Nate Mendel, the bass player of Sunday Day Real Estate, and William Goldsmith, the drummer of Sunny Day Real Estate, were recruited by one Dave Grohl to join his newly formed band Foo Fighters, The first Foo Fighters record was mostly just Dave Grohl playing everything himself, but he needed a band to play live, obviously. Nate Mendel, still in the band to this day. You can see him on any music station you turn on, I guess. (laughs) William Goldsmith, however, famously not in the Foo Fighters. He is not Taylor Hawkins behind the drums. Uh, And the story of William Goldsmith no longer being in the Foo Fighters is kind of a fun one. In, from yeah. an outside perspective. I'm sure it wasn't fun for yes. him, but it's very fun for yes. me. Yes.
3: It's fun for us, yeah. Uh, so again, as Jake said, during one of the many sunny day real estate breakups, <laughs> Dave Grohl just left the left a note for Goldsmith and He'll Be like, hey, I'm the drummer from Nirvana. I'm starting this new band. It's gonna be the biggest fucking thing. <laughs> um, so Goldsmith joined. He grew tired pretty quickly. He not only of the entire process, he dealt with carpal tunnel issues. He also didn't love Dave Grohl's increasing appetite for fame and success which uh if you listen to our sunny day real estate episode you'll realize was a sunny day real estate regular thing (laughs) of just turning and running from success at every opportunity as goldsmith told the miami new times it was my understanding that dave just wanted to do music to be happy and he didn't want to tour that much he wanted to keep it mellow but it then it turned into a world domination thing that became really creatively stifling now I understand that that could be creatively stifling. Uh, I don't feel like popularity is like uh, a thing to avoid in and of itself. Anyway, the there was some contentiousness there. Goldsmith stayed with the band through the making of The Color and The Shape. Uh, but during the recording process of the Foo Fighters album, The Color and The Shape, according to Goldsmith, Dave Grohl was quite unrelenting. In one case, making him do 96 takes of one song, and in another instance, making him work on a song for 13 hours. Uh, Goldsmith was of the belief that the label wanted Dave Grohl on drums anyway. You know, there's are certainly examples in the past where a band will have a touring musician play an instrument because someone else is playing it in studio sessions, most notably with solo acts. Uh, so not entirely surprising there, but to hear Goldsmith tell it, Grohl, end quote, Behind my back, Dave re-recorded the whole record without telling me.
4: That's not cool. And the way Girl handled this sucks, like, a lot for sure. But I kind of see how it would be really hard to be the drummer of Nirvana and then for your, like, breakthrough solo-ish record with your new band, have someone else playing the drums and them not doing it the way you hear it in your head. I'm not yeah, defending I it, feel- but I get it.
3: Yeah, like Grohl is also a phenomenal drummer to where like if I if he were getting frustrated with Goldsmith not being able to pull something off or play the way he envisioned it, I could see him just like not understanding and being like, I would simply play the drums better than almost anyone in the world. Exactly. Um, Now, that is Goldsmith's telling of this to hear Dave Grohl tell it in the Dave Grohl story written by Jeff Apter. He was originally only going to record re-record rather the drums to this song, Monkey Wrench.
4: One of the great 90s rock guitar riffs. To open yeah, that
3: song. I think the first thing we can say about this is whoever, whatever you think of the drumming situation in the story here, that song rules and is yes, maybe other than "Everlong," the best Foo Fighters song.
4: I mean, all of the best Foo Fighters songs are on this album and maybe scattered across the next two, in my opinion. But I feel like the reason that this song is so good and this album is so good and we will probably do an episode on this album at some point is I think Ian Cohen tweeted this a few years ago that Everlong is the best rock song because it's a perfect marriage of giant arena rock and sunny day real estate emo. And I think that's true. And I think the reason this record is so good is because I think the majority of this record is a marriage of big mainstream arena rock that in other hands with different musicians and a different songwriting ethos behind it, could have been really fucking boring but this one isn't because it has this energy that isn't what you typically hear from a mainstream arena rock band
3: yeah it's also it's early enough on that you still have like you have one of the best emo bands and you're taking pieces from this incredible grunge band and you're trying you're not trying to marry the grunge and the emo you're trying to make something completely new with those backgrounds Uh, yeah it comes off Pretty well. This is like by an order of magnitude my favorite Foo Fighters album.
4: Mine as well. And I think to the that extent
3: that we should probably not talk about it a ton because we'll probably do an episode on it at some point.
4: Agreed. But to your point on the disparate pieces that made this so well, I'm pretty sure this was before Chris Shiflett was in the band, which is another punk piece that they added. And I think Pat Smear was still the second guitarist, who of course is was a member of the Germs, a seminal LA punk band. So you have just like nirvana's drummer the germs guitarist and two guys from society real estate making this record so it kind of i think that's why it's so good and at least in your in my opinion and the music we like so head and shoulders above the rest of the discography
3: yeah and then of course there are dave Grohl's drums which are so much better than, than the drums that there would have been there <laughs> All right, we'll talk a little bit more about that and our personal feelings about how this was handled by Grohl and Goldsmith, as well as the fallout of the Monkey Wrench drumming fiasco after this.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
3: So, as the story goes from the Dave Grohl perspective, uh, again, according to the Dave Grohl story, as told by Jeff Apter, Grohl redid the drums on Monkey Wrench and then redid everything except the songs <laughs> Dull and Up in Arms. There is some disagreement on what happened next, Grohl allegedly wanted Goldsmith to stay with the band. Despite all of this, Uh, Goldsmith opted to leave instead. However, whatever the specifics were, and again, this is something that Goldsmith has given a lot more air to over the years, understandably, because for Grohl, if he, you know, if he argues against it, it's going to be it's going to look like punching down and, and there's no real benefit to him revisiting it. He did tell Oxygen, however, I wish that I would have handled things differently.
4: I love that one of the two songs he didn't re-record was "Doll," which is like a minute and a half long and barely has any drums in it.
3: Yeah, that's why, uh, you know what? uh, Yeah, it's fine. um, (laughs) So... The added wrinkle to this is that Goldsmith believes Dave Roll is responsible for blocking the fifth and in Goldsmith's opinion, the best Sunny Day Real Estate album. Uh, we talk about the specifics of the recording process and the makeup before yet another subsequent breakup in the Sunday Day Real Estate episode for Monday. So I'll direct you back there for more of the specifics. But Sunday Day Real Estate had not released an album since 2000. They briefly got back together in the 2012 to 2014 range. Uh, and in 2018, Goldsmith posted on a since-deleted Facebook post that was captured by Pitchfork, quote, the greatest Sunday-day real estate record ever made remains silenced, abandoned, and buried within the murkiest depths of Dave Grohl's sock drawer. Not literally. And Goldsmith has since walked it back and said, Dave and I should have hashed this shit out through honest human interaction a decade and a half ago. Mendel denies this entirely, like this entire saga that Goldsmith uh, has concocted about the fifth album. From what we dug up when we were researching the Sunny Day Real Estate Diary episode, it sounds like they got back together, recorded one song, and then wanted to do more. And then, as Sunny Day Real Estate did so often, uh, fell apart again. However, Jake, to your point from our Sunday Day Real Estate episode, <laughs> would have been nice to hear a little bit more of what 2012 or 2014, whenever the album would have come out, Sunny Day Real Estate would have sounded like.
4: Yeah, I find this drama, I guess, for lack of a term, so interesting because, I mean, I suppose it's possible that Dave Girl is blocking the release of a Sunny Day record, but from all accounts of the band, or at least from Mendel, who I guess does have a foot in both camps, like, this, this album doesn't even exist to to exist. <laughs> um, yeah, Goldsmith. Like the,
3: the thing that exists in Grohl's sock drawer is, like, a couple songs and a couple half-written songs.
4: Yeah, Goldsmith later clarified that he was referring to the Grohl-owned Studio 606, where the album sessions took place and were abandoned due, due to Jeremy Ank not receiving the moral support as well as engineering that he deserved. Goldsmith also believes... That girl disapproved of Mendel's involvement in the fire theft and thus would not be supportive of Mendel completing the new Sunny Day Real Estate LP. Via Foo Fire's representatives, Mendel denied this, as he said, to which Goldsmith replied that he had not spoken with Mendel since 2011 after a planned conference call to discuss finishing the album did not happen. <laughs> All right. So, so, so who my knows? my takeaway
3: there takes us back to our Sunday Day Real Estate episode for Monday, which is that uh, this band is pretty needlessly messy uh, we mess. will almost certainly do an episode on the color and the shape by the Foo Fighters at some point in time uh, if you want a little bit more about the Goldsmith and Mendel and uh, I think interplay and a little bit more about this possibly existing probably not existing fifth Sunday day real estate album we will direct you to Monday's episode on the album diary and I think that's it I think that's you know monkey wrench Monkey Wrench turned out okay for all of this drama. And I think the Foo Fighters are doing just fine, too. Yeah. This seems yeah, I think, like uh Goldsmith takes the only L here.
4: Yeah, it's hard. I, I feel like you could probably, if you're like a Sunny Day purist, you could probably argue that Mendel's a backstabber and how dare he. But he would just respond by counting his very large stack of cash that he's made since this all went down. So,
3: Yeah, that's a... Uh- You know, and I'm sure Grohl doesn't, I'm sure he, like he said, he would have liked to handle it better, but, uh, you know, he just lays on a mattress of money and he's fine about it. Um, I'm going to
4: wager that Dave Grohl doesn't think about William Goldsmith a whole lot.
3: Yeah, he's got that Don Draper going on. I don't think about (laughs) you at all. Uh, Guys, we think about you all the time. If you think about us, please uh, head over to patreon.com slash Columbia House Party to support Failing that, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, continue to send feedback our way on the main episodes as well as these new single episodes guys we'll talk to you again soon jake thanks buddy
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh oh oh! O'Reilly Auto Parts.